Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from RNZ Sport. I'm Joe Porter. On the program this week... A massive payday for basketball star Stephen Adams, but what does his NBA success mean for the sport here in New Zealand? Driver Shane Van Gisbergen is staring down the prospect of winning his maiden Supercars Championship title. The New Zealand cricket coach Mike Hessen looks back on the Black Caps tour of India and ahead to Pakistan's tour here. All-black Neher Milna Scudder is raring to go after eight months on the injury sidelines. The new Blackferns' sevens coach is revealed. And Ernie Merrick tries to look on the bright side of the Wellington Phoenix dismal start to the A-League season. Basketballer Stephen Adams will become New Zealand's highest paid athlete after signing a four-year NBA contract extension worth $140 million with the Oklahoma City Thunder. The 23-year-old's $35 million annual salary will kick in next season and is a big boost from the $4 million he's currently earning. His yearly paycheck will easily surpass those of sailor Russell Coots, footballer Winston Reid, IndyCars driver Scott Dixon and golfers Lydia Ko and Danny Lee. Eric Horn is a sports reporter with the Oklahoman newspaper and he told Sharon Brett Kelly Adams is worth every penny. He's one of the most versatile centers in the league. He was already one of the better defensive centers in the league, even though he only played two or three seasons. But his offensive game has really emerged ever since that playoff uh, run to the Western Conference Finals. And this year he's showing off even more offense with Kevin Durant leaving to go to Golden State. Steven's going to have to be a double-digit scorer for the Thunder to be successful. And so far he's averaging over 12 points a game in three games and around nine rebounds. And he's really shown that uh, every year he adds something else to his game. So the number, while it seems big, it's the going rate for uh, a center of his caliber and his age. And he really is crucial to the team. Oh, yeah, no question. The defense is noticeably worse when he's not on the court. He's got to be a guy who's got to be able to uh, provide some assistance to Russell Westbrook in scoring. Uh, Russell Westbrook's gotten off to a great start to the season, but he's not going to be able to play 40 minutes a game and survive a season if the Thunder's going to be successful. So the Thunder's really counting on Steven Adams to provide a lot. They traded Serge Ibaka in the offseason. Uh, for the past seven years, Serge Ibaka had been the main shot blocker and rim protector for the Thunder, and now that falls on Steven Adams. So with this contract comes a lot of responsibility that Steven's going to have to live up to as well. In New Zealand, he's by far the highest paid sports person, but how does he rank in the U.S.? He'll be among the highest paid centers in the league, but he'll probably be in that, I guess, like top 20 to 30 players in terms of annual salary in the NBA. Now, that's going to change from year to year because as the NBA salary cap goes up, players are going to continue to receive higher yearly salaries. Now, if Steven continues to progress, he's going to continue to make a bigger figure of money as he gets on in his career. So this is just the beginning for him. 
What's his potential, do you think? Because someone said to me today, I mean, he could possibly keep playing till he's about 40 and be worth half a billion US dollars. Considering he's, he's young, he's probably got two more contracts in him in terms of his playing career, in terms of getting a maximum amount of money, being 23 years old. So he's got a chance to really make a lot of money. I, I think the sky's the limit for the guy. He's shown he's really athletic. He can guard multiple positions on the floor. Every week, it seems like he adds another offensive piece to his game. So I think he can be, within the next few years, uh, knocking on the door of being an all-star at his position in the league. Eric, this must mean that he can afford a haircut now. I mean, he says he doesn't like spending $60 a month on haircuts, but surely he can now. He's, he's going to be able to afford plenty of stuff, but um, just talking to him on a day-to-day basis, it, it, it sounds about right what you're saying about him not wanting to spend a lot of money on a haircut. He, he seems like he's a guy who isn't really concerned about the money issue. When I asked him about the contract situation before, uh, he didn't pay much mind to it, and I think he's kept a good perspective when it comes to the negotiations. And I think that's one of the things that the Thunder values about him. He's not a guy that's really caught up in numbers, whether it's on the court or off the court. I mean, the guy just drives a pickup truck. He wears a camouflage hat after games, and he walks out in his sweatshirt, and his, he's not putting on designer clothes or anything. It's just kind of a down-to-earth guy, and I think he fits well with the Thunder culture. Eric Horn speaking with Sharon Brett Kelly. Signing the $140 million NBA contract may be life-changing for Adams, but what does it mean for basketball here in New Zealand? Adams is soon to be the country's highest paid athlete, but as Matt Chatterton reports, it could be years before he plays for the Tall Blacks, if he dons the black singlet at all. Stephen Adams has enough money to never work another day in his life, but that's not what motivates him. He wants to win NBA championships with his Oklahoma City Thunder teammates. That drive is both admired and abhorred by players and fans around the world. For New Zealand basketball, it's a combination of both. Adams has always maintained he's a proud New Zealander and would like to represent his country, even when he was living here as a teenager, but has instead chosen his NBA commitments over the black singlet. Basketball New Zealand Chief Executive Ian Potter says Adams has helped the game here by inspiring young children to follow in his footsteps, but also admits fans may not see him play for New Zealand until the 2019 World Cup at the earliest, if at all. The very best of our players are going to play offshore, and we just have to live with that. It is frustrating as a administrator who just likes to be able to say, right, 12 best players, these are their names, and they're all available because we chose them. That's not the way it works in basketball. Former Tall Blacks guard Kirk Penny is hopeful that's not the case. He says there's no doubt Adams is the best thing to happen to New Zealand basketball in a long time, and he believes now that his foreseeable future is secured, it's time to pull on the black singlet. Just watching from afar how this has played out, I would think that's um, what would happen, and I know he has a lot of pride in New Zealand and, and has said uh, that he would like to play for Tall Blacks at some point in time, so when's a better time? While fans may have to wait another three years to see Stephen Adams play for New Zealand, he'll still be representing his country on the world's biggest basketball stage. And it appears the 23-year-old is keen to keep calling Oklahoma his new home for a while. I just like it here, man, so much, you know what I mean? I don't know, it reminds me of New Zealand, this place. A lot of good people here, obviously a really good organisation, and that's why. And just in case you were wondering what a man who's just signed a $140 million contract spent his money on first, well, here's your answer. I dropped my phone in the cold tub and it didn't work for like the past three days, and stuff was going on. So I was like, 
my agent was trying to contact me and stuff, and I was like, so I can't, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't have a phone. So, yeah, so that was my purchase yesterday, so got a nice phone. For Checkpoint, call Matt Chatterton Tine. The New Zealand supercars driver Shane Van Gisbergen could win his maiden championship title this weekend at the competition's penultimate round, the Auckland Super Sprint in Pukekohe. Van Gisbergen leads the championship by 148 points, but with six races left over the last two rounds, it's down to him and his Red Bull Racing teammate, Australian Jamie Wincup, for the title. It's been 25 years since a New Zealander won the championship, with Jim Richards the last to hold the supercars title in 1991. The king of Pukekohe, Greg Murphy, knows what it takes to win in Auckland. He's won there a record four times. He told Matt Chatterton Van Gisbergen is sitting pretty heading into this weekend's racing. Shane and Scotty probably at the moment got everything that they need and because it's not just about your, your skill, it's all the other tools in the bag. And um, So I think you know, without question you've got to say Giz is probably out of all the Kiwi boys no doubt got everything he's got the natural natural ability he's got the desire the will um, you know the talent everything and he's also got a team that uh, is going to go above beyond and even further to um, provide him with the equipment to get it done so those are all the things mentally there's no issue all the guys are, are mentally in the right space got the ability to withstand pressure got the ability to push that little bit extra and find that little bit more there's, you know, that's a given these days you know you don't go and drive a V8 supercar and be competitive if you don't have all that kind of stuff so it comes down to being at one with that vehicle at the right time and it doing exactly what you want it to do and having the confidence that you can you can pull it off. The competition's so close, so tight. Pookie, you know, qualifying, I'm pretty much I can guarantee the entire field will be well under a second in, in separation. So a few hundreds of a second can um, can sep- you know separate you from being on the front row and being on the fourth row. Crazy to think that it comes down to such a short amount of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess seeing Shane this year really sort of flourish with Red Bull, what have you noticed in him that clicked, I guess, this season? Obviously he's been getting to this point. What, what do you think's worked for him so much this year? It's the support that um, a team like Red Bull Racing Australia give to a driver of his calibre and, again, just highlight tiny, tiny little things that they can work on, they can fix, they can analyse to the nth degree. They've got the resource to be able to put time and money and effort into those things to work out the best way to solve them or best way to improve them or the best way to eradicate them. And and when we were talking, what was saying before, about the smallest, smallest little things making a difference, when you've got the ability as a team to focus in on those tiny things, which most teams don't have the chance to do, that's where you find the advantage. And for him... The consistency has become so strong. So he's turning up at every racetrack going, well, I'm going to be fast. You know, it's just, am I going to be on the top step of the podium or the second step or, you know, whereabouts am I going to be? And now it's just, just podium after podium after podium after podium after podium. And it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing strength that the rest of the field just look at and go, Jesus, how do I get there? It's been, it's been a few years now since uh, New Zealander has won the championship title. I think 91 was the last year. Quite exciting to see Shane on the verge of doing it. What does that sort of mean to you, I guess, seeing it? Kiwi finally get back up on top there? Oh, it means a huge deal. I mean, um, I slogged away for a little while and, you know, for a few years I was reasonably um, competitive and had a chance, but it never never got to that stage and then it unfortunately faded and no one's really been in the right place at the right time to, to take it since then and, and now we have. Now we've got the guy in the right place with the right skill set and, you know, he's... 
he's on the verge of maybe achieving that and I don't think he's thinking about it which is the right way to go because you just can't you can't focus on that it's just so many so many variables so he just go and do exactly what he does best as fast as he can and keep it natural and if it happens which um, you know me and everybody else is hoping does then you know it'll be very much something to celebrate no question Hey, so million dollar question is can he do it with the likes of Jamie and Craig on his tail like yeah that? of course he can because he's he's got uh, the measure on, on a given day and some days they've got the measure on him but that's because it's so competitive and they push each other so hard particularly Jamie and Shane and you know Jamie will not give up he will fight to win that championship. There won't be any orders, I wouldn't think. And he is his strongest competition, which is also probably the driving force. Mm. Listen, I say anything's possible, but you know he just has to keep his natural course and do exactly what he's been doing, which he will, because that's the only way he knows how to do it. Greg Murphy speaking with Matt Chatterton. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only show from RNZ Sport. The New Zealand cricketers had a shocking end to their tour of India, chasing an historic series win on Indian soil with the one-day series locked at two-all. They capitulated to lose the fifth and final match by a mammoth 160 runs. The Black Caps had been hoping for their first ever series win in any format in India. Coach Mike Hessen spoke to Ben Robinson-Drawbridge about why they faded so badly in the final match of the tour, and he looks ahead to the upcoming tour by Pakistan to New Zealand playing test cricket in India is particularly difficult. I mean, India haven't lost a test for a long time over here. I think they've won 12 of their last 14, you know, and they know the conditions very well. And I think whenever you come over to India, you need a few things to go your way and, and you obviously need to adapt quickly. And I thought from a bowling point of view, our bowlers adapted nicely to the conditions, certainly developed some new skills. But with the bat, other than, you know, perhaps Tom Latham, uh, Mitch Satner at times, King Williamson at times. Outside of that, you know, we really struggled to obviously score enough first innings runs. Martin Guptill didn't have a great tour, although he did produce a couple of scores of note, but are you still likely to persist with him as the opener against Pakistan? Oh, that's a, a selection issue that so Gavin Larson and myself will, will sit down once we get back from the tour and, and talk about Pakistan. So obviously there's first-class cricket on at the moment. We'll be another game next week and also a New Zealand A game, so those have certainly helped inform our views on that. It seems all the team could use a bit of self-confidence, perhaps, after disappointment in India. Do you think they'll have that in time for Pakistan? The guys need a little bit of time to dwell on, on last night's performance and how we could allow that to, to occur, but you know we know our conditions at home well. Our record at home has been very good in recent times, you know, in the last two or three years, so... Pakistan will be very tough, but come the 17th of November, we'll certainly uh, prepare well and, and look to perform, that's for sure. I mean, just reflecting on, on last night's loss and perhaps the failure in the World Cup final, do you think we have a problem with the big moments in cricket? Uh, well, I think if you look back in recent history, we've won a number of last games of the series to win the series, the UAE being a, a pretty big one for us, so... I think that's a bit of a long bow, but uh, look, we were very disappointed with last night's performance and uh, as I said, we need to certainly reflect on that. Can we expect to see some new batsmen? Are you likely to blood any new batsmen against Pakistan? Uh, I think the thing that's worth noting is we've, you know, since the World Cup, we've lost over a thousand caps throughout sort of five players we've lost. So we, we don't just replace those quickly. You know, we need to get some players opportunity and, and at the moment we have and and during this tour, we've been able to expose some players to some completely foreign conditions and start their learning. And, you know, it's very difficult to replace that many games. And the only way you do is, is obviously hopefully picking the right ones and then being able to give them the right opportunity. 
And are guys like Hamish Rutherford, Henry Nichols, George Worker, are they, in your thinking, ahead of Pakistan? Uh, well, George is injured, so he's been out of out of the picture for a while. Henry's obviously been in our in our last two test touring squads, so he's certainly a big part of our future. And you know, Hamish has been out of the mix for a while, and, and certainly needs to learn his way back through performance. And certainly started well last week. I suppose it's some way off, but the next tour of India, what would you like to do differently? Would perhaps more build-up and playing in Indian conditions, may that have helped? Uh, well, a week before we came to India, we were playing a test in South Africa at Centurion, so the current model doesn't really allow that big build-up to a tour uh, where you can prepare facilities and you know be very focused on the conditions you're going to deal with. You know, You need to make the most of the week you have before the test match to adapt as quickly as you can and that's you know that's often where you rely on experience and you know we had a few experienced batsmen on this tour but we also had a few that that had never been here before so you know hopefully uh, there's plenty of learnings from this tour and, and we can see that in their preparation heading into the next one. Mike Hessen speaking to Ben Robinson Drawbridge. The World Cup winning all-black Nehat Milner-Scudder is close to full recovery after spending eight months out with an injured shoulder and the Hurricanes flyer is champing at the bit. The 25-year-old wing hopes to be back to full fitness for the start of Hurricanes pre-season training on December 1st, having not played any rugby since dislocating his shoulder in March. The injury forced him out of the Hurricanes side, which went on to win the club's first Super Rugby title. He's also had to watch on as the All Blacks have gone unbeaten in 2016. I spoke to Milner Scudder about what it was like sitting on the sidelines and his ambitions for when he returns to the field. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, yeah, I've had quite a lot of training um, put into me over the last couple of months and um, yeah, back into full weights and stuff in the gym, uh, back running. So kind of the next step will just be um, cracking into some contact, which will come when we start back pre-season with the lads. Um, and then, yeah, if all is going, all is going well, um, yeah, February for the pre-season games will be back into it. Have you had a, a serious shoulder injury before, and do you worry that perhaps that first contact when you first play you might be a little bit gunshot? Oh, no, this will be my first sort of major major injury. I've had soft tissue sort of little niggles and that, but um, no, I'll just be ripping into it full, full tit, I think. Um, it's been long enough, and... And I've given it um, plenty of time, so nah, she better be right, and I'm, I'm pretty sure she will be. I guess in terms of winning back your starting spot in the Hurricanes and also potentially the All Blacks, there's quite a few goals you want to take off, but perhaps it's walk before you run. Is it hard to you know, not let those other bigger goals perhaps creep into your mind? Yeah, exactly. I can't get too far ahead of myself. Um, you know, by watching all the games this year, everyone's playing incredibly well, and, and it's always a tough, tough gig to get a starting spot no matter what team it is. So... Um, thinking back a few years ago, that's kind of what my mindset was, was to try and get, get a few games in with the Hurricanes and, and play well for them, and then whatever happens after that will happen, and there'll be probably no different next year. So I guess, do, do you see yourself as someone that will have to fight their way back into the All Blacks, almost like you're, you're sort of coming from a fresh place rather than an All Black looking to come back into the team? Oh, yeah, my mindset is just to prepare well, play well, and then if, if I play good enough, that warrants selection for that team, then, then so be it. But if not, um, there's plenty of other guys that are good enough to you know step up and take the spot. So, yeah, I've got to just worry about myself and um, getting myself right. I just want to get back into some code. And I'm really excited about that for next year to come around. And, um, yeah, we'll just see what happens, I think, from there. I guess a lot of people will be, will be interested to see how the younger Barrett goes when he joins you guys next year. He's certainly a, an, an exciting talent. Yeah, he's been killing it this year in um, Canterbury and topped it off with the, with the Premiership win and now he's um, away with the All Blacks, which is, which is awesome. And yeah, to see him come into the group next year and he'll be excited and, and fizzing and to have his big bro alongside him to, 
yeah, take him under his wing. There's probably yeah, not not many other players you want to be learning off, um, and Tim as a big bro is awesome as well. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting around Jordy, and I'm sure he'll probably teach me some tips. So I'm looking forward to that. Are you eyeing up fullback? Oh, I haven't really thought about it to be honest. Um, you know, I just want to be in the 23 or just contributing to the team. You know, if if it's not, then um, I'll just keep chipping away, working hard to try and um, get a spot on the team. But yeah, in terms of position-wise, yeah, I just want to be out there. I suppose with uh, with James leaving, Corey might have his eye on the number 15 jersey too. Yeah, he's got his eye on a lot of positions that fella. He'll, he'll put his hand up for first five if, um, if it came about. But um, yeah, that's what's great about the team and New Zealand rugby, all the super franchises, all the um, sort of minor team cup teams, is that New Zealand rugby is so strong at the moment that there's all this competition for spots and I guess it just flows on to the All Blacks and how well they're doing and it just starts from like, the grassroots and, and all these franchises. So I guess competition's good, it makes you play better, it'd be kind of a bit boring and make you a stale if you kind of knew that your spot was assured but it's yeah you kind of don't take things for granted and you just keep working hard bro and after what was I guess somewhat of a meteoric rise into the All Blacks and you know the, the joy of the World Cup what's it been like watching this year and having to sit and, and watch everyone do so well new guys coming to the team the All Blacks play so well break records has it been hard to sit there and watch it what, what kind of mental lessons I guess has it taught you Oh yeah, a little bit of both. Like, I think knowing that it was such a serious injury and I was going to be out for like seven months, it kind of made it a little bit easier because it wasn't like I was kind of going week to week thinking, oh yeah, is it going to be right? Is it going to be right? Um, so I guess yeah, the first month or so was tough, like just trying to get my head around such a serious injury and, and the fact that I wasn't going to be playing and I was going to have to park up on the sideline. So yeah, there's been plenty of times where I've had itchy feet and kind of just been wanting to be out there playing, but at the same time, you know, there's no point rushing and turning a seven-month injury into maybe a career if, if, if you do it good enough. So, um, and saying that, it's been enjoyable to watch. Like, yeah, I've been watching club rugby, watched the the Kane season, been back up to one or two with the Turbo lads, and then um, it's been amazing to see how well the ABs have kicked on and all the new boys that have just stepped up this year and have been uh, absolutely killing it. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of tough, but at the same time enjoyable. Just to, I'm, I'm pretty much a code here and yeah. love watching footy, so yeah, it's been uh, good to watch. So you basically just can't wait to get out and start playing again. Yeah, pretty much, bro. Yeah, just really excited and chomping at the bit. Nehem Milnaskada, the New Zealand women's rugby sevens coach, says he'd like some taller players in his squad. Assistant coach Alan Bunting was this week promoted to the head coaching role, replacing Sean Horn, who stood down after winning silver at the Rio Olympics. Bunting was previously the skills coach for the All Black Sevens and assistant coach for the Wellington Lions Sevens. Between 1999 and 2009, he was a professional rugby player, playing for the All Black Sevens team, the Chiefs, the Bay of Plenty Steamers and Tokyo Gas. Bunting told Barry Guy he knows the type of player he'd like to recruit in the future. Lafayette is probably one of the smallest on the circuit. So I think a lot of our, a lot of our athletes here in New Zealand are playing netball, especially our female athletes, and you know the, I think. That's where the height is, especially the real athletic heel. So, um, yes, it probably you know would help because you know Fijians are the tallest and they've got the longest limbs, so they can cover the most space. So if you've got size, height, and, and speed, and, and people that are that can run, run, and run, well then you're in a pretty good space. So you know more athletes that have those components is definitely the desired athlete. Would you go out prospecting, or would you just be relying on those? coming to you, so to speak? Um, no, definitely. Well, I think yeah, in, the, in the near future, we'll be um, doing another screening, so searching for new athletes. So there's going to be a, an opportunity for new athletes to have a crack. How are the girls feeling, you know, those that went to Rio 
as the sort of the new season starts? Um, I think, you know, obviously very disappointed. Um, I think once you've been to an Olympics, it doesn't take you very long before you get home. You're, you're really tired and you, you start reflecting, but you just want to go back. <laughs> and I think that you, there's that real feeling of the girls and, they, you know, I think they've learnt a lot and they know how we can get better. So there's that real eagerness and we know we've got a, got four years now to to fill in those holes. And so I think there's a real keenness and eagerness well, the girls that have been there and now you know, there's a quite a few young girls around, new, new talent that you know, we'll probably have going into Dubai. So yeah, I think it's only going to grow. It's going to be a, a bit of a slow start, but it's about building the foundation. So. The new women's sevens coach, Alan Bunting. The first tournament of the World Series is in Dubai in early December. The Wellington Phoenix are stuck at the bottom of the A-League football table, but coach Ernie Merrick maintains it's not all doom and gloom. After a 6-1 mauling at the hands of the Melbourne victory in Melbourne on Monday, the Phoenix are at home to Newcastle on Saturday. Optimistic they can chalk up their first win of the season. But with just one goal in four matches, and that came from the penalty spot, and the defence leaking like a sieve, the signs aren't good. However, Merrick sees things somewhat differently. Since uh, day one, we've tried to get our back line together and get it organised, and our best back line is Tom Doyle, uh, Andrew Durante, Marco Rossi and Jacob Tratt with Vince in front of them. And we've only been able to do that once for half a game against Sydney. And that's a major problem. You can't play good attacking football without a rock-solid defence. What about third or fourth, the uh, inability to score goals? Is that still a concern for you? Well, I I think uh, against Sydney, which was the first time we had everyone together and we had a full week of preparation, we showed that we can create a lot of chances and Goals were uh, chopped off because the referee and linesman felt they were offside, but evidence afterwards showed that they weren't offside. So I think we've got good quality players that will score goals, but you've got to have good midfield play, and I don't think we strung our midfield play together very well uh, yesterday, but we did against Sydney. What ideas have you got, Ernie? Because things look pretty bereft. They do, and and there's no doubt about that, and I take full responsibility. I think the players that we've got available are are doing the best they can, so it's my responsibility. And I I think it's really sorting out the defence first and foremost, getting our best players on the park, and making sure we don't give away cheap penalties for a start. How much more do you think you can do with this side? I think I can do a lot more. I've never actually got the best side out for the full 90 minutes yet and uh, my job is to try and get the best team on the park for 90 minutes it's oh. tough playing inexperienced players under very difficult circumstances but uh, just to give a bit more energy to the team I started throwing on players and Ben Litvin at the end just to see what he could do I mean the game was gone then but it was important that we didn't get any more bookings any more send-offs and any more injuries so I took off Costa and Guy Finkler Good teams though can get over those kind of things Yeah right, yeah they can, and we need to work on that. Have you got the depth to actually contend for the top four this year? I, I think this side has still got the depth to contend for the top four, yes. Uh, I think they've got good quality players, and um, that would be great. We took, we took out Marco Rossi last night, and you know, six goals considered in the red card to the yeah, replacement. I, I wouldn't put that all on Dylan. Um, no, no, but that's across the board of the defence was Yeah, Yeah, I Look, uh, up until uh, that game, we had conceded goals, but if you look at some of the teams uh, in the league, uh, Victory conceded four goals against City. We conceded, what was it, one against Sydney, uh, one against, in their first match against Melbourne City, and um, and uh, two at Perth. So it's not that bad. Uh, 
and we've been patching up the full-back position quite a bit. But no, I think we've got good depth and good players, and we're a top four team still. Is this a team that's going to be able to score goals? You can play football and pass it around as much as you want, but you can't stick it in the back of the net, you're going to be able to win games. No, there's no doubt. We've got to score goals. We've scored goals pre-season. We've played against some of the, the better teams in pre-season. We've scored... We scored three against uh, Melbourne City in the pre-season. I know. That was a Melbourne season, which was experimenting a lot. Though. Well, you could say the same about us, but I, I really think we're a bit closer. It doesn't really mean anything, does it? No, a pre-season doesn't, but I, I think we still score goals against good teams. Remember, we've really struggled to with the always commitments, etc., and the travel. We've really struggled to have a, a good preparation for the first four games. Are the players sitting down for a players-only meeting or Andrew Durante doing that, anything like that? No, we, we have ongoing video. Uh, we, we look at videos of what we did well and what we didn't do so well. I have to say I'm always very positive with those. And uh, we, we look at things from a very honest perspective. And uh, the, the boys talk about how we can improve. So they all get a say in that sort of thing. But that's an ongoing part of our preparation every week. It's not a question I can answer. That's, that's not for me to be concerned about. This is coaching. You know how it is. You had a chat with Rob Morris and all? I mean, how are no, things travelling? No, I don't know. You're best asking him. The Wellington Phoenix coach, Ernie Merrick. And that's extra time for this week. You can reach us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Joe Porter. Kakiteano. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.